today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Molly Stentz. Longtime Dane County Executive Joe Parisi has announced he's retiring from politics. And as we inch closer to the 2024 presidential election, Assembly Republicans have drafted articles of impeachment against the state's top election administrator. It's Friday, October 6th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. We had an idea for a show. Different Madisonians, different points of view, maybe a little too different. We call it the Great Friday Roundup. And now the sheriff for this here podcast, Molly Stenz. Big fan of The View? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it would have sounded better if Barbara Walters said it. We had an idea for a show. Oh, man. Well, Bianca Martin's on assignment today, so it's just us. What are we going to talk about? Is there anything to talk about in our fair city? We're going to talk about Joe Parisi leaving. I thought he was going to be around forever. Me too. Mostly just because it seems like he has been around forever. So long-term Dane County Executive Joe Parisi, he announced this week that he's retiring in May. And not just from the Dane County's top post, but from public service in general. So he served his eight years as Dane County's clerk, then three terms in the assembly, notably during all that Act 10 craziness. And then he won a special election in April 2011 to succeed Kathleen Falk as Dane County Executive, and he won re-election three more times. Should be said that it was essentially unopposed. So Parisi made this announcement during a press conference this week. Let's just hear a short clip. Serving as County Executive has been one of the greatest honors of my life. Words can't express how grateful I am to have been given this chance to serve my community. And while it's been an incredible journey, all journeys have a beginning and an end. On a professional level, I've reached a place where after 27 years in public office, the last 12 as county executive, I've pretty much done what I came here to do. Again, that was Dane County Executive Joe Parisi announcing his retirement. You can't say he wasn't a, a popular political figure. I mean, I remember Act 10. I remember those assembly days. Well, and unlike what happened with Mayor Soglin, obviously another long-term politician, Parisi didn't really have any opposition that challenged him at the ballot box. Probably could have ran again, and I think it would have been very difficult to beat him. And it, there's an interesting, it seems like city politics is just, I don't know, like it just gets a lot more attention. Spicier. I think it's a little bit, for people that live in the city of Madison, I think it's a little bit further removed what the county does as opposed to what the city does. I mean, you understand very clearly what the police do or don't do in your neighborhood. True. And how the trash gets picked up, whether potholes are filled, whether the buses run on time. Like those are very direct things you can observe about city services and have feelings about. The things that the county does are, are just a little bit further removed from everyday life. It's not to say they don't have a huge impact, but they're a little bit more in the background. Yeah, and just how it works in Wisconsin, the county is responsible for really implementing state and federal programs. The Dane County Executive is like very much an administrator. Does that sound like a sexy post? Administrator. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting that 
they call it an executive, right? Ooh, we, yeah. You know, other you tend to think of executives as hired, right? As not an, like an elected position, but it is here. But I would say probably the spiciest thing of re- uh, recent memory would be the jail, like things that people really got kind of upset yeah. about. But he somehow didn't get all embroiled in it. it. That that seemed to all fall on the county board. And even the zoo, like that whole Ooh. craziness with the zoo. I mean, like yeah. his office was deeply involved in that, but he just didn't seem to really catch any flack for that stuff. And it's not like everyone, particularly those on the county board, were big Joe Parisi fans. Like there was a pretty frosty relationship, especially in the last year between the county board and Joe Parisi, but I guess that's coming to an end. So what do you think Parisi's legacy is here in Dane County? Probably his environmental record. Yeah. Because he bought during his time they bought so much parkland. He just did a lot for environmental policy and um, the whole effort to capture methane from the Dane County landfill to convert county facilities and and trucks to run off of that suck the muck yep clean up the lakes developing parks putting solar power on county buildings and facilities yeah he had an incredibly strong environmental record so he, he was at a press conference where he announced his retirement and so he touted his investment to support homeless people the beacon um, that opened on east wash the counties of all that mental health services a lot is happening this year in terms of advancing um, like some really big initiatives having to do with mental health and then public safety. I mean, it didn't look like that jail was happening and I'll believe it when I see it, but it looks like that 40 years of talking about it, they finally got it done. But never say never with the jail because every time we think that debate's over, it comes up again. Well, what happens now? Do you want to know, Molly? I guess we just won't have a county executive if we can't have Joe Parisi. Well, he's leaving in May, so he leaves. And then a special election is going to happen in 2024, November 2024, during a presidential year. So that's going to be quite the race. Then in the meantime, there's going to be a caretaker executive from this awkward time and between May and that special election. Yeah, okay, so that's my question, though, is like, why is he leaving a year before his term's up? I hate that. It messes it all up. I mean, people do leave jobs all the time. People do not carry out their terms for a variety of reasons. They get another job, they move, they want to do something else with their life. He didn't really give a reason that I saw. So someone will be the caretaker. Like, they're not going to be elected. The county board, the county board chair is going to pick someone uh, at least for a few months to be the acting county executive, right? So that if they wanted the job permanently, that really sets them up to be this like incumbent who's not an incumbent. That's what it makes me think of. I mean, because you see that happen with city council, you see that with other jobs that the way to pave the way for your successor, who you might feel is carrying on your legacy is to kind of slide them in as an interim so that it's not actually a... An open race, right? You already have somebody in the job who shows that they can do the job, who was kind of put in perhaps with a lesser degree of scrutiny than a big election would would bring. And then it's like, oh, they're already in the job. They're doing the job. Fine. We'll just keep we'll keep going on. Life goes on. Yeah, certainly an advantage to whoever is in that post. So hopefully it'll be someone who doesn't end up running in the special election. I mean, that's how it should happen. But I'm 
We'll see. Well, and, and the city council in Madison, I, I know, has this has been a hot debate about exactly what you mentioned, that should they choose someone to fill out somebody's term only if they agree not to run for the office, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like, OK, we'll hire you for this job if you don't really want it. Like, OK, but you can see why that would make sense. We've had alders who said they weren't going to run. Uh, they'll just, you know, help out in the interim <laughs> yep. and then they do run. So. Well, Molly, it's time for a short break, but then we'll come back with some more news. Y'all, there is a truly special opportunity coming this month. The Harry Whitehorse International Wood Sculpture Festival is running from June 14th through the 22nd. And it's a first of its kind week-long celebration of contemporary and traditional wood sculpture and indigenous culture. It's named after the world-renowned Ho-Chunk sculptor and painter who lived in Winona, the late Harry Whitehorse. And it will be hosted at the iconic San Damiano Park, right on the shores of Lake Monona. The fest is inviting 12 international sculptors from countries like Peru, Germany, Ukraine, and more for a week-long artist-in-residence. And it will host demonstrations of live sculpture and Ho-Chunk arts and crafts, such as black ash basketry, porcupine quill art, and finger weaving. Plus, they've got live music and food. Plan your visit and learn more at harrywhitehorse.com festival. Kids are our future, right? And we all want to make sure that future is bright. That's why making sure that their bodies, minds, and characters are strong. Luckily, KidStrong coming to Sun Prairie might just be the answer. KidStrong is a national franchise that uses a science-based training program that focuses on character, physical, and brain development through weekly 45-minute age-based classes. And a pair of Sun Prairie parents are opening a new KidStrong location at Prairie Lake Shopping Center. Instruction is led by world-class certified coaches, and kids are taught everything from the importance of shaking hands to how to do a pull-up correctly. And 77% of parents in the program credit KidStrong with boosting their children's self-confidence. Interested? You can call or text 608-369-8866 or visit their social media at KidStrong Sun Prairie to learn more. The program opens in the next few weeks, and you can save money by registering today. It seems like we've got impeachment on the brain these days. And I'm not talking about Hunter Biden or Donald Trump. You know, for weeks, state lawmakers have been talking about impeaching a Wisconsin Supreme Court justice, something that really is unprecedented here. Well, now that attention seems like it's shifting to our state elections officials. Republican lawmakers have been questioning state elections officials ever since Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. Actually, it started long before that, during Governor Walker's administration. State lawmakers shut down the Government Accountability Board. You remember that? Yes, the Government Accountability Board. It just makes me think of like, a, I don't know, like an accountability buddy. <laughs> it does seem like it could be a Parks and Rec skit or something like the government is closing down a government oversight agency. And this is real. Yes. Yes, this was real. <laughs> so they shut that down. And what did they create? Yeah. So they got rid of its leader. They created this Wisconsin Elections Commission in its place. And then, you know, shortly after that happened, 
They voted to fire the elections official who ran that. You remember that, Mike Haas? He's our city attorney now. Yeah. He's a great source. He knows all about elections. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Madison and has been at the forefront of a lot of uh, recent fights, like the ballot box fight. So... Anywho, now state lawmakers are looking to fire his replacement, the woman who currently runs the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Her name is Megan Wolf, and she had worked under Mike Haas and took over when they kind of ran him out on the rails. And now they've got sights on her. So five Republican state representatives put forth articles of impeachment a few weeks ago. And now this week, the Senate president is asking the assembly to to move, to take them up. Why can't they just fire her? Didn't they try to do that too? Do we even want to talk about how complicated that question is? It should be so much more straightforward, but it's just not. Buckle up. We're, We're going deep, Dylan. This is the administrator. She serves at the behest of the Elections Commission, which is a six member body. Why you'd want an even number of people on that body that is a whole nother podcast, but we have six people, three of whom are appointed by Republicans, three of whom are appointed by Democrats. That was kind of the compromise when they created this agency. Like, okay, we'll share power here between political parties. Because they're awesome at that. Yeah. So they set the rules. They hire an administrator to carry out the rules. That's who Megan Wolf is. She's the person. She's kind of like the executive. She's the person that carries out the rules that they set. Now, she, like many, the heads of many state agencies, she has to be appointed for the term, and then she has to be confirmed by the Senate. That's our balance of powers thing that we do here. So she had been serving a term. Her term expired. She was put forward for reappointment, you know, appointment to a new term. And guess what? The commission deadlocked. Three to three. Party line vote. After that, the state Senate said, okay, well, we're not confirming you because you didn't get, you needed a majority vote. She needed four out of six votes to to get the job. So the Senate says, nope, okay, you're not confirmed. And then what happened is the Senate's like, okay, so now you're fired. Go away. And she was like, but no, actually... You don't have anyone to run the agency because no one new has been appointed. So I'm going to keep running the agency. Within minutes of the Senate voting to not confirm her, the attorney general, boom, slams a lawsuit down saying, "Uh uh-uh, Senate, what you did was not legal. It has no legal effect. It's a big old mess. Well, they're not stopping letting the let the lawsuit go forward to figure it out. Uh, the Republicans are now trying to impeach her. That's why we started all this, right? Yeah. So why are they mad at her? They put forth 15 articles of impeachment. This is five lawmakers in the assembly. And they're folks that I would kind of call the elections deniers caucus. Yeah, that's accurate. Folks who really were upset about Donald Trump's loss. They were upset about how the Elections Commission administered elections during the pandemic and all of the fights over ballot drop boxes, right? And, you know, how we responded as a state to this incredibly crazy time where we had this global pandemic and we had to figure out how to hold elections and vote and carry out democracy while dealing with this massive public health problem. So one of their charges is, 
hey, you know, she was in favor of these ballot drop boxes for, you know, early absentee voting. And the Supreme Court made that illegal. So she was advocating. But it wasn't illegal during the time. That's the details. The devil's always in the details. I read that whole article about the impeachment and all these articles of impeachment and what they say she did. And I, I I would sum it up as like the commission, that six person panel you talked about. They make the rules and she carries them out. Yes. And it doesn't seem like anyone is suggesting that she didn't do exactly that. Right. People just have a problem with what the commission decided to do. Yes. They have a problem with the commission and they also have a perhaps lack of understanding of how elections actually work, which is, I think, the pattern that we've seen in the past few years since the 2020 elections. You know, a lot of folks were concerned about the election outcome because they didn't understand how things work. These are people who are in the state assembly. They don't know how elections work? Well, Janelle Branchin, for one, right, she was kicked off the assembly elections committee by Robin Voss. So... (laughs) Man, we got to do a whole episode about this because it is pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, remember there was that whole letter that from state lawmakers that was asking Mike Pence at the time to put off certifying the presidential results Yeah, right before January 6th happened. These are some of the folks that signed that letter. That's who these folks are that are bringing the, these articles of impeachment now against the head, the, the administrator of the state elections commission. So that's what's going on here. But no big deal. I mean, we're not like a battleground state or nothing. Like, it's not like we're going to decide the outcome of the presidential election next year or anything, right? And have absolutely no one uh, in, who is in charge of fairly administering our elections. That kind of sounds like a bad idea. So what happens now? So if the assembly calls for this vote on impeachment, they could do it, right? Then it would go to the Senate. The Senate would have a trial. It would take two-thirds of them to vote to convict her. Republicans have two-thirds of the majority, right? And then she could be removed from office if this goes forward. But remember... There's still this lawsuit that the attorney general filed that's still working its way through the courts. So we should hear about that by the end of the month. Thank you, Molly. I am deeply fascinated when I should probably be deeply terrified by that whole situation. We'll keep you updated on what, what happens with all that. You know what my question is? What? Who is writing the screenplay about Wisconsin's political drama? I mean, Aaron Sorkin, where are you? <laughs> Right? The strike's been resolved. Writers, get on this. Hello. Molly Stentz, fun roundup today. Let's do it again next week. And hey, before we go, just want to give a shout out to our friends at Madison Minutes, our daily email newsletter, because they just won a big award for reporting that they did on Wisconsin's response to the Dobbs ruling and what abortion and family planning is like in a post-Dobbs world. They won Collaboration of the Year for a project that Madison Minutes did with another local news outlet, Tone Madison. And that award was from Lion, which is the local independent online news publishers. This is like a national consortium of independent news sites. That's great. Everyone should check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Some good journalism. Yay for good journalism. 
Well, that's all for today, Molly. We got to get out of here. Bye. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes, written by newsletter editor Haley Sperling. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with someone who remembers the band Honor Among Thieves, whose drummer went on to be Dane County Executive Joe Parisi. See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then, 